last 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Happy Monday and welcome into the Mass and All Access Podcast Series Recaps. Your host, Bobby Blanco, here. The Nationals are now on a seven-game road trip starting in Arizona. They split a four-game series in D.C. against the Diamondbacks back in April. So someone had to win this series with three games now in Phoenix. Entering the series, the Nationals were 14-19, five games out of first place in the division. They broke a four-game losing streak and avoided the sweep at the hands of the Phillies on Thursday. So now trying to string some wins together on the road. Let's break it down. Entering this series, we had heard Davey Martinez talk about the need to score first in games. Much like any team, the Nats and D-backs do way better when they score first as opposed to when they let their opponents score first. And the Nats carried that over that early offense from Thursday's win against Philly to the series opener in Arizona in what would be a 17-2 route of the Snakes. They posted six runs in the first inning thanks to a Trey Turner leadoff homer and RBI doubles from Josh Bell, Jan Gomes, and Victor Robles. Uh-oh, it'll be his home run ball he gives up. See you later, and Trey Turner has done it again, adding to his Nationals record his 14th leadoff home run. And then Kyle Schwarber would add a homer in the second to make it an early 7-0 lead. Ooh, and Schwarber waits for this one and hits it well to left center. See you later. Second and opposite field homer in two days. He is feeling good. If they weren't already, the floodgates were open from there. The Nats would score in every inning except the fourth and sixth for the rest of the night, capped off by Andrew Stevenson homer in the ninth inning. Off-position player turned pitcher David Peralta. The Nats chased Diamondback starter Riley Smith for eight runs and eight hits in just three innings. Meanwhile, on the mound for them, Max Scherzer pitched five scoreless innings, striking out seven and giving up just two hits on 85 pitches. Turns out Max was also dealing with a severely sore throat that night, so much so that he could barely speak in his postgame press conference. He said he otherwise felt fine. It was just a sore throat. But luckily, they had a huge lead, so it was a perfect opportunity for Davey Martinez to give him a shorter-than-normal outing and some rest after not feeling all that great and topping 100 pitches in four of his previous five starts. Max earned his third win. He's now 3-2 and two on the season. Riley Smith fell to 1-3. and three. It was a season-high 17 runs and 22 hits with zero errors for the Nats, two runs, six hits, three errors for the Diamondbacks. Let's try to run through this crazy box score. Bear with me as I try to go through it. Two hits, one run scored, and three RBIs for Trey Turner atop the lineup. Yadiel Hernandez even came in and had a hit and scored a run and replace of his spot in the lineup. Josh Harrison went three for seven with a run scored and an RBI. Juan Soto in the three-hole had a run scored, a hit. An RBI, Andrew a walk. Uh, Kyle Schwarber ended up going three for four with two runs scored, two RBIs, and two walks. Starlin Castro, the only national not really to get a hit. His uh, hitting streak came to a close at 11 games on Friday night. After him, Josh Bell went two for five with three RBIs and two runs scored. Also drew a walk. Uh, and Jan Gomes, five for six, four runs scored. 
two RBIs. He was a home run short of the cycle that night. Not too often do we see catchers approach the cycle. Max Scherzer didn't get a hit in his uh, three at-bats, but Jordy Mercer came on in his spot, recorded a hit, and scored a run. At the bottom of the lineup, Victor Robles, two for two, both doubles with two RBIs. And then uh, he was hit by a pitch in the thigh. So Andrew Stevenson came in as a precautionary replacement in center field. He ended up going two for three. Three runs scored, the home run in the ninth with three RBIs. So the Nats offense was on fire Friday night in Phoenix. And out of the bullpen, Will Harris, Wander Suero, and Paulo Espino closed out the 17-2 Curly W. But the Diamondbacks would get their revenge on Saturday night as it would be their turn to route the Nats by a score of 11-4. to Despite the Nats scoring first in the top of the first, thanks to Juan Soto driving in Trey Turner, the D-backs would bounce back to take an early lead off Nats starter Joe Ross, who really struggled and got roughed up for eight runs and eight hits over four-plus innings. David Martinez saying before the game the key for Joe will be placement of his pitches, and that is exactly what he struggled with throughout this outing. He could not locate well throughout the game, giving up a lot of hard, hard contact to Diamondbacks hitters. He was leaving a lot of his pitches up in the middle of the zone or even higher, and the D-backs were just feasting on him. He bounced back to have a 1-2-3 second inning and retired 10 of 12 batters for a stretch from the first into the fourth, which showed signs he was maybe settling in but couldn't keep with that form, giving up a three-run homer to Eduardo Escobar in the fourth. Joe Ross fell to 2-3 and three on the season. Alex Young took the W for the D-backs. Four runs, 10 hits, zero errors for the Nats. 11 runs, 12 hits, one error for the D-backs. Trey Turner, Josh Harrison, and Juan Soto each had two hit days atop the Nats lineup. And Victor Robles flipped that lineup with two hits in the nine hole. Turner and Robles each had an RBI and Soto had two. But on the other side, Eduardo Escobar did a lot of the damage. He went three for five with two home runs and seven RBIs for Arizona. Out of the bullpen, Will Harris pitched a scoreless inning, which is significant because it was his first time pitching on back-to-back days since coming off the injured list. So, after two games, one to each team, Game 3 would be the rubber match to decide this weekend series and the season series between the Nats and Diamondbacks. And after two blowouts, we were due for a pitcher's duel on Sunday. That's exactly what we got from Eric Fetty and Luke Weaver. Though this game was scoreless after seven innings, Weaver only made it through four having to leave early with what was reported afterwards as a shoulder issue. Fetty, meanwhile, pitched perhaps the best outing of his career, completing seven innings for the first time, issuing only three hits and two walks while striking out four on 97 pitches. He was able to execute his sinker and curveball effectively throughout the afternoon, and he got better as the outing progressed, at one point retiring 10 consecutive batters, and he finished the day with 12 ground ball outs. Before the game, Davey Martinez said he wanted Eric Fetty to make it hard for him to make a decision on the rotation for the uh, impending return of Steven Strasburg, who threw a 75-pitch rehab start for AAA Rochester on Sunday. Be careful what you wish for, Davey, because Fetty did just that. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I see Strauss in the clubhouse all the time. I know he's getting close, and uh, I don't know. I just, I've been in this spot so often. It's It's almost something I don't think about anymore just because I've learned the more you think about it, it still doesn't matter at all. Uh, so, but yeah, my job is to go out there and, and pitch well. And today I hope I added something to my resume on why I should still be in the rotation. Uh, most definitely. I mean, he threw the ball really well. I, I think that's part of the, the best I've seen him throw. I mean, he had good command of all his pitches. Uh, 
worked his own really well. So, man, he kept us in a game, in a 0-0 game. He did well. That's a good problem to have for David Martinez and something to keep track of as this week progresses. That spot in the rotation comes up next on Friday at home against the Orioles. The Nats offense finally got going in the top of the eighth on Sunday with Yadiel Hernandez hitting a pinch hit go-ahead leadoff home run in place of Eric Fetty to give the Nats a 1-0 lead. We told you Troy Lovello loves moving defenders around. This ball flirting with the corner and... See you later. Yadiel Hernandez down the left field line. one nothing in the eighth. Yadiel just sneaked that inside the left field foul pole and into the D-backs bullpen on a really tough pitch. Low and outside to the left-hander. Just goes to show the opposite field power that Hernandez has. Victor Robles saying after the game that he wasn't impressed by the home run itself. Rather that Yadiel was able to hit that difficult pitch. Robles and Trey Turner followed with back-to-back doubles, and then Kyle Schwarber lined a single to center to score Ryan Zimmerman later in the inning for a three-run rally, providing some insurance for their bullpen. And Daniel Hudson, Brad Hand came on to seal the 3-0 victory, combining for just one hit and four strikeouts. So good to see Brad Hand bounce back and get a save, his fourth of the season. Fetty improved to 3-4 and four on the season. D-backs closer Stephon Crichton took the loss. Three runs, eight hits, zero errors for the Nats. Zero runs, four hits, zero errors for the D-backs. Trey Turner had a three-hit game. He's now hitting 329 on the season. That's top 10 in the majors. Kyle Schwarber also had a two-hit day with an RBI. And Victor Robles added a double and a walk. So over the series, Victor Robles went five for eight, four doubles, three RBIs, one walk, and just one strikeout. So have a weekend, Victor. Hopefully that carries over into Chicago. And that's more of the norm we see from Robles throughout the rest of the season. The Nats are now 16-20 and 20 on the season, three games out of first place in the division behind the Mets and are heading to the north side of Chicago as all the former Cubs on the Nationals get to face their former team in a four-game set at Wrigley Field. Let's take a look at the opposite dugout. The Chicago Cubs are managed by David Ross, the former catcher who won a World Series with the team back in 2016. He's now in his second season at the helm, taking over for Joe Madden. They went 34-26 and last year to win the NL Central, but got swept by the Marlins in the wildcard series. They're currently 19-24 th in the Central, three games back of the Cardinals. Over their last 10 games, they are 6-4, but they did lose 4 out of 5 last week before Sunday's win at Detroit. And this is their first meeting against the Nationals. They went 2-4 and four against Washington back in 2019. Of course, the Nats sweeping a three-game weekend set in late August at Wrigley to catapult them into their World Series run. The pitching probables Monday's opener sees John Lester make his return to Wrigley Field for the first time since leaving the Cubs last year. He never made a comeback at Fenway Park after he left the Boston Red Sox, so this will be an emotional moment for him as he steps back on the mound at Wrigley. He'll face right-hander Albert Alzoli, a 7:40 start on Masson. And then on Tuesday, left-hander Patrick Corbin will take on right-hander Zach Davies, 7:40 on Masson. Thursday night is a marquee matchup. Max Scherzer, Jake Arrieta, two former Cy Young Award winners, going up against each other at 7:40 p.m. Masson and MLB Network out of market. And then May 20th, Thursday, getaway day, afternoon game at Wrigley, Joe Ross, Trevor Williams, 220 start, Masson and MLB Network out of market. The Cubs are in some trying and confusing times as a franchise as we look inside the team. They're five years removed from their historic World Series championship. They've made the postseason in three of the four seasons since, but have lost in the wild card round in the last two of those seasons and, of course, did not make it in 2019. 
Longtime president of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, stepped down from his role in November. And, of course, there was the drama between the club and all-star third baseman Chris Bryant stemming from their use of his service time. And then they did the whole will-they-or-won't-they-trade-him dance throughout the offseason, with the Nationals, of course, mentioned a lot in those conversations. Now they're in a are-they-contending-or-are-they-rebuilding situation in Chicago, something the Nationals can find themselves in a couple of years after their World Series championship. A pending free agent and probably the headliner of his class, Chris Bryant is having an MVP-caliber season so far driving up his price tag for teams this upcoming offseason or perhaps later on in this summer's trade deadline. He's at the top of the majors in extra base hits, doubles, homers, total bases, slugging percentage, and OPS. He's got 10 home runs, 25 RBIs, while hitting 303 with a 1032 ops. Anthony Rizzo is hitting 244 with 5 homers and 15 RBIs at first base. While walking more than he is striking out, he has reached base in his last 16 games since April 28th. And shortstop Javi Baez is hitting 260 with eight homers and 26 RBIs, while Jock Peterson, who signed a one-year deal with the Cubs after winning the World Series with the Dodgers last year, he's starting to heat up. He's hitting 400 in 10 games since returning from the 10-day IL with left wrist tendonitis. Rookie right-hander Adbert Alzoli will start Monday night's opener against John Lester, who of course makes his return to Wrigley Field. Alzoli still holds on to his rookie status even though he's appeared in each season since 2019. Now being used as a full-time starter, he's 1-3 with a 4.50 ERA in six starts this season. The 26-year-old hasn't gone particularly deep into his starts and has given up at least two runs in each of his outings while also allowing a total of six home runs. Right-hander Zach Davies will face Patrick Corbin on Tuesday night. Davies has been a trade chip for most of his career so far. A former Orioles farmhand, he was actually traded from Baltimore to Milwaukee for Gerardo Parra back in 2015. Then he was traded to San Diego in 2019, then was sent to the north side of Chicago as a part of the U Darvish deal this past December. A career 388 ERA in 131 starts. He's only 2-2 two two with a 560 ERA in 8 starts so far in his first season with the Cubs. He has had some great success against Washington, though. 3-0 with a 239 ERA and 4 career starts against the Nats while striking out 23 to just 7 walks. Wednesday night is highlighted as the pitching matchup to watch in this series as Max Scherzer will face Jake Arrieta. The 35-year-old Arietta is in his second stint with the Cubs, signing a one-year $6 million deal back in February. Of course, he won a Cy Young Award and a championship in his first stint with Chicago. So far in his second, he's 4-3 with a 4-10 ERA, but that's a little inflated, though, thanks to a seven-run and three-and-a-third outing in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. Other than that, he's been his usual self, though over his 12-year career, he's only 2-3 with a 4-4-5 ERA and 17 starts against the Nats. Right-hander Trevor Williams will start Thursday afternoon's finale. The 29-year-old spent the first five seasons of his career in Pittsburgh and signed with the division rival Cubs as a free agent this offseason. He's 2-2 with a 6-27 ERA over eight starts this season. He has had not great success against the Nationals, however. Going 1-2 and two with a 5-4-9 ERA and five appearances, four starts in his career against Washington. Out of the bullpen, the Cubs relievers are actually posting the third best bullpen ERA in the National League. Longtime closer Craig Kimbrell is on the last year of a three-year $43 million deal. He signed with Chicago back in 2019, though there is a team option for 2022. And he's back to his normal dominant self, posting a 115 ERA with 25 strikeouts to just seven walks over 14 outings while converting seven of nine save opportunities. He has a career 158 ERA against the Nats over 46 appearances, 
largely in part due to his five years with the Braves. And then amongst the other relievers, right-hander Dan Winkler has an ERA under one in 15 outings, and fellow righty Dylan Maples has an ERA under two in 11 outings, while Brandon Workman has an ERA approaching seven and a whip above two over his first 10 outings as a Cub. Wrigley Field is currently allowing just 25% capacity, so about 10,000 fans will be in attendance this weekend in Chicago. But there will be a vaccinated section in the upper section of the center field Budweiser bleachers, sold at full capacity and not physically distanced for this series. Tickets will be $20 plus taxes and fees, and all those who purchase tickets must show proof of vaccination and a photo ID. So if you're a Nats fan and vaccinated in Chicago, good opportunity for you to go catch a game at Wrigley this week. That's going to do it for this series recap. Be sure to tune into the Cubs series on Masson all week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Masson All Access Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe the Masson All Access Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And be sure to check out our weekly live podcast, myself and Amy Jennings, either Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Masson Nationals across the board. And check out Mark Zuckerman's coverage on MassonSports.com. I will be filling in for Mark on Tuesday night's game, so you can check out my work there as well. And follow me on Twitter at Bobby underscore Blanco for any news, of course, breaking throughout the day that day or of course the week against the nat against the cubs as the nationals are in chicago the next episode of our series recaps will drop probably thursday night maybe friday morning recapping this cubs series looking ahead to the battle of the beltways against the orioles in dc next weekend until then enjoy the games and we'll talk to you later